On today's episode, we're going to talk about money mistakes, the ones that you'll regret if you make them, but also how to avoid them in the first place. If you like the idea of avoiding mistakes altogether, today is the show for you. We'll get to it with Scott Searles on today's edition of the Retirement Toolbox, coming up next. A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Welcome to another show. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Searles of Skybox Financial Group. You can find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Scott uh, certainly is a financial advisor, of course, but also the president of Skybox Financial Group with more than 20 years of experience. We're going to tap into those years of experience on today's episode. Scott, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today, pushing through your recent sort of under-the-weather illness, uh, just, you know, crud that you're getting through. And uh, Scott has the mute button at the ready today, folks, with some coughs still going on, right? Yeah, I've been working on this thing for like three weeks. But you know what, Walter? (laughs) You know, the the reality is, is our listener audience is important to me. And I wanted to make sure we got an episode out here for everybody. You're a big believer in the show must go on concept. That's right. right. That's right. And, And today's topic, I mean, it's great money mistakes. And you know, if you ask my wife, nobody knows mistakes better than I do. <laughs> You're saying you've made a made a few of these in in your life, but maybe pre financial advisor Scott Searles might might make a mistake like this. I make a lot of different mistakes in my life, <laughs> not just I financial. Mean, I'm, exactly, I can make lots exactly. of mistakes. <laughs> exactly, you just ask my wife. So I love it. Yeah, this is right up my alley. I I wanted to make sure I got on here and, and got this taken care of for everybody. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you are here and uh, ready to help us out. Not only are we going to talk about these money mistakes, but in our mailbag question at the end of the day, we're talking about downsizing uh, to a new home and the thought process that is perhaps behind that as well. So looking forward to uh, helping Jennifer, our question asker today, uh, out with that question. Uh, Well, let's dive into some of those common money mistakes. This won't necessarily be an exhaustive list, but uh, one that will at least give us a good start. And these are common mistakes that, unfortunately, people are still making them all the time. And Mm -hmm. we want to try and learn from the mistakes of others here. Uh, As Eleanor Roosevelt once said, you can't live long enough to make them all yourself. (laughs) So go ahead and learn from others, even though Scott apparently is trying to do that. Uh, But that's all right, Scott. (laughs) All right, let's start with talking about IRAs. In particular, if you regret taking premature IRA withdrawals. Have you ever had somebody sit across from me in the office with that regret? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, just the other day, I dealt with somebody that that was taking some premature withdrawals out of, out of their IRA. We had that conversation. There were some other circumstances there with them, but yeah, you know, once you put that money in the IRA, you know, the whole goal of saving that money is for one day at retirement. So you don't want to be at retirement and be like, oh man. I took that money out of that 401k plan. I paid that 10% penalty, you know, because I wanted to buy a boat. And, you know, now the boat's, you know, it's gone. It's sunk to the bottom of the lake and I have no money for retirement. So, and and the same thing goes for 401k plans, people taking loans out of 401k plans. You have to be careful with that. 
it's too hard to save and accumulate that money to start with to spend it in an ill-advised manner sometimes. And uh, the client I was just talking about that we're in the process of doing that now, they're down in Florida. She got disabled. She's not able to work. She owned her own business. The hurricane hit, blew their roof off. Their insurance company pulled out of the state. She can't get disability. So there's a case to be made in that kind of situation. We need to, but we had that conversation that we're going to have to replenish this, that this is not going to be something that we're just going to take it and never rebuild that money back up because you're going to need it when you get to that retirement. It's a great point, Scott, and uh, that's why it's one of those common regrets that people have. It seems like a low-hanging fruit or an easy thing for people to lean on as an emergency fund, kind of robbing that retirement account a mm-hmm. little bit, but nobody's ever really glad that they did that when they get to retirement, or that would be a very rare thing, right, for somebody right. to be pleased that they made that choice. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it's one of those things where when you get there, and you look at how much you've accumulated throughout the years, and then you look back and saying, if I had not done that, taken that money out of that IRA when I was 50 for whatever reason, where would I be? It's probably a big difference. Yeah, big big point there for sure. All right, well, let's talk about another mistake and another regret that people might have when they meet with you, Scott. They're sitting across the table from you, and they're going, oh, boy. I spent way too much in my peak earning years. We finally started making, you know, a really good amount of money. We were in our prime. And unfortunately, instead of banking extra dollars for retirement, uh, is this the old lifestyle creep that happens to so many of us? This is actually more common than you think it is, Walter. I, Because people, you know, it's kind of that keeping up with the Joneses thing, right? So yeah. You're in a nice neighborhood and all these people are buying stuff and you want to get that stuff too. And you're doing good. You get a raise. You decide you're going to take this trip or you're going to do this. And yeah, it's actually the opposite of what you could be doing. You don't want to look back and say, boy, yeah, you know, I lived a great life, had a lot of nice things, but you know, now I have to work till I'm 95 because I can't retire. So that's certainly something that people need to to be aware of. Yeah, I think that's one of the the toughest things in life probably, but especially you work really hard, right, to try and advance your career and take that next step and uh, maybe some some longevity with a company or you then move on to a new company and you boost that income. And it's like you've worked so hard for it and you want to reap those rewards. And it's really hard to say, okay, I'll reap the rewards by putting all this into retirement and have fun with it another 10, 15, 20 years or so. Um, just really hard to do that, but it's really helpful if you can kind of change that strategy when you hit your peak earning years instead of spending way too much. Again, learn from those who have come before you and what they regretted doing in similar situations. And you know what I, I do yeah. too is I, I usually you know, so I recommend for people too that you at least need to be saving you know ten percent of your income outside of your retirement accounts and. That way you can build up that safety net or that cushion. And then if you get a bonus or something like that, at least save half of it and enjoy the other half of it. Great strategy there. So um, some loose maybe uh, guidelines or borders for people to operate with. Good good to know. Yeah. All right. So money mistakes so far. We've talked about IRA withdrawals, doing those prematurely. Eh, not a great idea. And trying to avoid that lifestyle creep 
um, sort of that personal inflation, if you will, uh, try to avoid that too. All right, now we get to maybe a little bit of a regret that perhaps could center around the kids. This might not be one that people like uh, mentioning or bringing up or being honest about, but have you had people sit across from you, Scott, and kind of just regret maybe paying too much in tuition for the kids, maybe robbing their own retirement success along the way a little bit? Yeah, you're you're very you're right. You hit the nail right on the head, Walter. And that people really kind of don't want to admit this one, right? <laughs> uh, because I mean, everybody will say, you know what? I want to save and accumulate, and I want to get my kids through college. And you know, some people end up taking loans out of their four hundred one ks, which kind of fall right into what we talked about previously. It's like d- double um, mistake at that point, right? Right, or home equity loans to pay for college, or whatever the case may be, but. It's definitely something where if you sacrifice savings to pay for that education, then you're just shortcutting yourself. The kids will have plenty of years to get that money paid off. And, you know, colleges are expensive. And just looking at which college you're going to go to and how much it's going to cost, there very well may be less expensive routes to go that would get you just as good of an education as opposed to, you know, putting all that money into that education, sacrificing your own future, and then, you know, not, you know, putting yourself behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. So do, do the kids need to have more stake in that? Do we need to maybe look at in-state schools being just as good or a better option for everyone involved versus going to an out-of-state or a private school, those kinds of things? Um, really just taking deeper evaluations of that before you end up forking over tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars Scott, yeah. in, some, in some cases, right? Well, I know in in my case personally, I mean, we made sure that our three kids that have already, well, one's in and two have already graduated college, you know, that, that they did have some stake in that game, that they that they, they did take some money out for themselves as, as far as a loan that they have to get paid back. So I wanted them to value that education. I wanted them to feel that they were going to have to pay that money back so that they didn't waste it. Uh, so, yeah, I think kids having a, a stake in a little piece of that, you know, having a what's the word I'm looking for here, Walter? Help me out here. Like a uh, they're having their uh, a piece of the pie, I guess. The, 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 a skin in the game. Uh, skin the, in the game. That's yeah. exactly. Oh, man, I, t- I still got brain fog from this. Cold thing. That, that's right. That's right. I, I tell you, skin in the game. I wanted to have them some skin in the game. I think it's a good idea. And then that helps them to pick and select the colleges that work best for them. And, you know, it's all those other expenses too, right? I mean, while they're in there, they get, you know, you're paying for their cell phone, their insurance, yeah. their rent somewhere. I mean, you know. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because sometimes it's not the tuition that's the problem, but then beyond graduation, kids still stay on the payroll in many ways. Right. And I mean, you know, every one of my kids, at least the way we did it, were like, you know what, okay, yeah, we're going to give you money for groceries, but the reason why you work all summer long or work during the school year too is so that, hey, would you go to Chipotle? I don't want to see that hitting, hitting my bill. You know, you're, you go out, you go do things, you want to go have fun with your friends, you do all that stuff, that's on you. That's what you say. We're going to make sure you're fed and you have a place to live. Uh, we feel that's our responsibility. Whatever else you do is your responsibility. 
Yeah, I think it's important. I I don't I don't want to brag and and, and you know uh, strain my arm patting myself on the back too much here, Scott. But I, I think it's you know I think it's a neat thing to share. Like I was really proud of the day when I was when Dad would go to hand you know after I'd go visit the folks and I'd be mm-hmm. on my way out the door saying goodbye and Dad you know would always slip me a twenty or two twenties or something like that as you're heading back and you know it was awesome obviously throughout college and then for a little while right. after college was still like all right I'll take that gas money you know that kind of thing. But it was a really proud day the first time to be able to say, pause and say, nah, dad, you keep the 20. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm self-sufficient. Like, you start saving that 20 for your retirement. You know, that was a fun day to be able to strive for and and to do that. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. He still fought pretty hard and would find uh, other unique ways to slip 20s into luggage and, you know, things like that. But it (laughs) became more of a fun. Because he felt good doing it. It became more of a fun, fun little back and forth battle than a necessity or anything like that. So, right. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool thing to strive for. So have that conversation with your kids. Make them stakeholders in their own future, if we want to kind of throw out another buzzwords uh, sentiment. Um, but I think that's a really big one. All right, right. Uh, money mistake number four. Oh, boy, this, this would be a big one if someone's talking to you about this in your office, Scott, and I imagine leads to some more complex conversations. But uh, is it realistic that somebody could walk in and say, oops, I retired a bit too early, and now it's costing me, it's, it's causing problems? Yeah, absolutely. And it really depends on how early too, because, you know, I mean, if you retire too early, you're going to take maybe a lower uh, social security, you know, which maybe you didn't, you know, count on, you know, you're a lot of people, as soon as they turn 62, go run into that social security office, say, give me my money in case I die tomorrow, at least want to get something back. Yeah, but the reality are people are living much, much longer. So you could have a reduced Social Security taking that, you know, a lot. Your benefit could be a lot smaller than you anticipated. You you may start taking money out of your retirement accounts, maybe pre-59 and a half, you know, which would lead to penalties as well as the taxes on there. And the biggest thing, too, is that. If you start, because you've got to reduce Social Security or, or whatever the case may be, if you start pulling money out of all those savings accounts you've accumulated too early, they've got less time to grow. And you have to remember, you live 85, 90 years old and you retire at 58 or 60 or whatever, you have a long time period to fund in your retirement with a reduced Social Security benefit and pulling that money out of savings could you'll really sidetrack what you got going on. Yeah, that's just such a tough one. So yeah, if you aren't really confident in that retirement date, don't go ahead and retire. Meet with somebody like Scott before, and that way you don't have to live that mistake out because some of these others may just be like, ah, yeah, it hurt our retirement a little bit, made things tougher, but, uh, you know, we survived. This one can actually cause people to, you know, go back to work or not make it through retirement, have all sorts of other issues. Right. And, you know, working with a good financial advisor, too, is going to walk you through these different situations, walk you through the different scenarios. Uh, You know, someone that's had experience and sees hundreds, thousands of people that have gone through the same types of decision making that you're doing now can add a lot of value to you talking through whether it's the right time for you to retire or not. 
We still have another money mistake to talk about, but before we get to it, let me just piggyback off of uh, that statement from Scott there. And if you have some questions about your financial future, about your plan, how you can better prepare for retirement, don't hesitate to reach out. You can schedule a complimentary consultation, a review of your financial plan for free with Scott. All you have to do is go to talkwithscott.net. Just go to that website that we will also link to in the description of today's show. And you can schedule a time to visit with Scott. Just use your smartphone or computer. And again, go to talkwithscott.net and schedule that visit. You can also call him at 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. While you're getting your review, you can also check out the tax-free retirement toolkit that Scott has put together, talking about a big portion of the retirement planning process, all about taxes and saving money in that arena. And you'll also get a worry-free retirement blueprint as part of all of that planning. So if you want to eliminate some of that worry and concern about your retirement preparation, uh, get some more certainty into that plan by meeting with uh, the president of Skybox Financial Group. Again, Scott Searles, you can find him at talkwithscott.net and just check today's description for all the necessary links and uh, contact info. All right, Scott, one more money mistake that we can cover at least for now. Maybe I should have investigated opportunities for Roth IRAs. How widely applicable is that regret or mistake? Well, you know what? I probably hear this one more than any. And as you know, really? the mission okay. of our firm it, you know, is to reduce our clients' lifetime tax liability. So we talk a lot about Roth and tax-free options that are available to you. But yeah, I mean, saving money in the Roth portion of the 401k, accumulating that tax-free money can definitely really help out to give you a boost later on when you get into retirement. So looking back and saying, boy, now I have this big, huge tax liability. I wish I would have put more money into that Roth. So I encourage everybody to take a look at putting some money into those tax-free options to accumulate that money tax-free. All good points there, Scott. So there's our five money mistakes you'll regret and some tips on how to avoid all of them. Any others that we haven't brought up here, Scott? Uh, We don't have to do a full breakdown of of them, but just any other potential regrets that you think would be worth mentioning today? Well, I've been hitting the mute button like 60 times here trying to mute, (laughs) uh, stop from my coughing attack. So, but real briefly, without going into great detail on all of them, I mean, there, there, you know, there's... You know, there's things that people, a lot of people do. Maybe they take on too much debt or they keep helping out their kids for too long. You know, know, Susie doesn't have a good job. She's 38, so I'm helping her out. And you sacrifice your own retirement to do that. And I get, you know, that you want to do that, but you just have to be smart about it. I mean, getting yourself educated, learning about some of these things earlier on is only going to give you the power to do you know, to have a much better retirement and make some good decisions. Great points. So yeah, just really make sure that you're kind of putting your own oxygen mask on first, like that analogy from when you get on the plane, and uh, make sure that you're able to then be capable to help others around you and support. So strong foundation for yourself helps you be more uh, helpful to others in your sphere. And I think that's a really good lesson to take along with us today, along with all of these other great points today. Well, if you want to talk about any other money mistakes that you might be worried about making, again, don't hesitate to reach out to Scott. Here on the Retirement Toolbox, you can get in touch with him at 888 
742-0111 or go online to talkwithscott.net to schedule that time to visit. All right, it's time to get to know Scott just a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. All right, on today's episode, this is our our question for you today, Scott. It's a simple question, but, you know, elaborate here a little bit, if you will. Uh, when, When you wake up in the mornings, do you hit the snooze button? Or are you the kind of person that's like, you only need to hear the alarm once, you're up and you're on your way? Well, I, I admit, I am not a super easy person to wake up. Once I fall asleep, I mean, there's very few things that are going to wake me up. It's like my wife's a light sleeper. I'm a super heavy sleeper. And when it comes to the morning, yes, I hit that snooze button. <laughs> but I only hit it once. It's kind of almost like a routine. Okay. So I'll hit it. And I know that gives me an extra, I think, nine minutes. And then as soon as that goes the second time, I get up. It's like I almost set my alarm earlier than I need to get up because it kind of works me through that routine. And my whole family makes fun of me because, you know, I, I use my iPhone as my alarm, okay? And, uh, you know, I used to have just a normal old alarm. Well, the thing wouldn't wake me up. So I ended up getting this weird song on there that uh, is just so obnoxious. The whole family just hates this thing. And uh, so when my alarm goes off, it plays this song really loud. It works. It wakes me up. I snooze it once. Nine minutes later, it goes off again. I get up. That's not bad. That's interesting that the nine minutes is like your sweet spot to be able to just do that one that one snooze. Yep. Back when I used to have my snooze at 10 minutes, I would hit that thing five or six times. I just, it just, it must have just given me enough time to fall back into a deep enough sleep to where when it went off the next time, it was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm still not ready. When I changed it to five minutes, now I'm like you. I'm, I'm pr- most days pretty good at getting up after the first one. Or yep. what I'll often do is like, Right before this, the I hit snooze once, and then right before that second one goes off, I tend to wake up right before it goes off, and then that's when I'm like, my eyes are yep. actually open, hitting the dismiss button. And mm-hmm. then once you hit dismiss, you're like, okay, I know I can't go back to sleep now because I don't have that backstop. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. For, forces you to get up at that point, I guess. I do kind of miss in college. I used to have one of those. Uh, do you remember the iPod docks? Like where you, yeah. you'd put your iPod on there and, you know, it was like an alarm clock slash speaker system and it charged your iPod and yeah, that's yeah. how you played your music out of and everything, you know, mm-hmm. not, not that long ago. Um, but I used to love setting the alarm on the iPod dock to then wake up to certain music and it would just slowly increase it, the volume. So it would start real soft with a song and it would just get a little louder and a little louder and a little louder. And I would just wake up with it and then I, there's nothing to hit. There would be nothing to hit because it would just keep playing music. So I just get up, start my day, listening to music, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I always kind of liked that. That was fun, but I, I don't do, don't do that anymore now that you've got you know a spouse to bother and <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah, like you, you got other things to worry about. Yeah, exactly. But I do kind of miss waking up that way. Uh, well, very cool. Uh, alarm clock uh, life, uh, first world problems, perhaps, but uh, yes, n- nonetheless, fun conversation. All right, time to get to Jennifer's question. She's waited long enough. Let's get to the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So here is Jennifer's question. She says, we're planning to sell our house and downsize it to a smaller home within the next year. Our current home is paid off. 
So, should we pay cash for the next home? This seems wise, but when interest rates were lower, we were thinking of getting a mortgage and investing the leftover cash. Is that strategy no longer recommended? Well, you know what, Jennifer, this is a great question. I run across this a lot. And my personal preference is when I like um, to work with people when they retire, I don't like them to have that mortgage payment. A lot of the times, because when we're in retirement, we're thinking about cash flow. That's what we're focusing on. How much can our investments generate, our Social Security generate, pensions, whatever. And then we want to not necessarily have that big mortgage payment. But with that said, your strategy, though, of when interest rates were lower, maybe getting a mortgage, investing it, using some of the proceeds from the investment to make the payments, that was something that would work. But as those interest rates have gotten higher, it doesn't necessarily make sense because, yes, you could invest it in the stock market, but there's no guarantees that, indeed, that return is going to be there for you every year. And if you want to try to invest conservatively, well, yes, you can get a decent return now on CDs or something, but the mortgage would be 7% or something. Not nearly what you'd be able to get on a CD so it's a lot more difficult now. But like you said, my personal preference is not to have that debt at all. And it makes for a much more comfortable retirement. Very good. Great question, Jennifer. Yeah, it's uh, one of those debates that shifts a little bit. Uh, you wait a year and it might shift again, right? It's a right. really interesting conversation that we had there for a couple of years with interest rates so low, and now that dynamic changes a little bit. And that's why all of this retirement and financial planning stuff is so fluid and why it's always great to have an advisor on your side navigating you through it. When you work with Scott Searles and the team at Skybox Financial Group, you're not just setting up a one-time plan, but rather you're engaging with a resource that's going to be there for you to and all the way through retirement to help respond, answer questions, and guide you through the changing landscape. If you want to set up time to meet for a review of your current setup and talk about how your relationship would work and uh, if you're a good fit for one another, give them a call. 888-742-0111 is the number. You can also go online to talkwithscott.net and schedule your time to visit from, uh, from the website, and we'll link to those ways that you can contact Scott in today's show description. Scott, thanks for all the help on the episode today and for bearing with uh, your, your, your voice, and you made it through, and the mute button worked well, and we'll uh, look forward to picking up the conversation with you again next month. Yeah, I enjoyed it, Walter, and yes, I use that mute button quite uh, frequently <laughs> during this conversation. Well, I know you'll be all better next time we chat, and we'll be in the throes of the holidays, and we'll have lots to talk about as we approach the end of the year. So looking forward Absolutely. to that, and until then, we'll uh, see everybody next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Browns. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.